the consequences of a cause without an effect. Let's say the writer needs to get his protagonist, Barbara, out of an unexpected tight spot. So he devises a scenario that saves her in the moment and then promptly forgets all about it without stopping to consider that introducing a fact or character to solve a problem in one scene generates ongoing expectations in the reader's mind that never go away. As we'll discuss in detail in chapter 10, we're wired to predict what will happen next. And the way we do this is by charting patterns. Familiar patterns are safe. Deviate from a pattern and bingo, like the robot in Lost in Space, it's danger, Will Robinson. And you have our attention. The deviation then becomes a lens through which we filter the action. For instance, let's say Ronald, Barbara's condescending womanizer of a boss, insists on her on driving her home after they've worked into the wee hours. Her heart sinks, but she accepts. She needs a job. She breathes a sigh of relief as he pulls into her driveway, but when he quickly hops down from his huge black SUV and trots around to open her door, she knows she's in trouble. Noticing his lecherous grin, he assures him, she assures him that she can see herself in. But Ronald stands firm. He wouldn't dream of leaving a defenseless woman alone until he's absolutely sure her home is intruder-free. With that, he slips his arm snugly around her waist, and Barbara knows she'd better act fast or she'll be in big trouble. This means the writer now has to get Barbara out of the situation without offending Ronald. So he has Barbara turn to Ronald with a sufficiently demure smile and purr. Not to worry, I'm packing. Sure, I may be a bit rusty since my stint as a sharpshooter in Special Ops back in 06, but I'm pretty sure I can still hit a moving target dead on my dead dead on anywhere from say right about where you're standing to a half mile in any direction and with that she purposefully reaches into her purse not waiting to see whether she's going for a snub nose 38 or her house keys Ronald dashes back to the safety of his massive Hummer climbs inside and screeches away problem solved except that Except that, from there on out, the reader will be actively wondering when something's going to happen that will make Barbara have to either whip out a gun and save the day or fess up that she doesn't actually know what special ops is. It just sounded like something she read once in a Tom Clancy novel. But the damage is do doesn't stop there. The fact is, raising expectations that have nothing to do with the story we're reading changes the way we interpret absolutely everything that happens from that moment on. Let's say Bab's story is meant to be a light-hearted chick lit romance in which her biggest problem is convincing Kyle, the idealistic young doctor she's trying to land, that she is not having an affair with her sleazy boss, Ronald. Trouble is, the minute she mentions her special ops background, we're in an entirely different story. 
one far less light-hearted. Since a huge part of the pleasure of reading is trying to figure out what's going to happen, readers will be spinning possible scenarios all on their own. And you want those scenarios to relate to the actual story you're telling. The last thing you want the reader wondering is, gee, if Babs really is a member of Special Ops, then why is she working as a receptionist in a fertilizer factory in Des Moines for a low-class creep like Ronald? Hmm, don't they make bombs out of fertilizer? Isn't her boyfriend Kyle just a little too cagey about his past? Sure, he says he's worked for Doctors Without Borders, but who's to say he didn't do a little drug running in the side? Could it be... And with that, the reader is off and running in a story that the writer never in the wildest, his wildest dreams envisioned. Each thing you add to your story is like a drop of paint falling into a bowl of clear water. It spreads and colors everything. As with life, new information causes us to reevaluate the meaning and emotional weight of all that preceded it, and to see the future with fresh eyes. In a story, it influences how we interpret every single thing that happens, how we read every nuance, and in so doing, raises specific expectations about what might occur in the future. Since what makes stories so compelling is the thrill of actually making these connections. We're all dopamine addicts. The connections must actually be there. When they're not, when the writer inadvertently plants a piece of information that has nothing whatsoever to do with the narrative itself. The story in the reader's mind veers in an entirely different direction than where the story is actually headed. So, although this, the author may have completely forgotten about Babs's supposed special ops training the minute Ronald drove away, the reader won't. This is exactly the sort of situation that prompted Chekhov to note to ask Shukin, if you say in the first chapter that there's a rifle hanging on the wall, in the second or third chapter it absolutely must go off. If it's not going to be fired, it shouldn't be hanging there. It's like math, but in a good way. The cause and effect imperative can feel daunting to a writer. How do you keep track of everything? How can you be sure that you aren't accidentally leading the reader astray? Since, as Harvard psychology professor Daniel Gilbert says, every action has a cause and a consequence. Perhaps we can transform it into a good old-fashioned, genuinely simple math test. But first, let's recap what we already know about the laws of cause and effect as they apply to story. To wit, every scene must in some way be caused by the decision made in the scene that preceded it. Move the story forward via the character's reaction to what is happening. Make the scene that follows it inevitable. Provide insight into the characters that enables us to grasp the motive behind their actions. This means you can gauge whether a particular scene is part of the great chain of cause and effect by asking yourself these questions. Does this scene impart a crucial piece of information without which some future scene won't make sense? Does it, make, does it have a clear cause the reader can see, even if the real reason it happened will be revealed later?
Does it provide insight into why the characters acted as they did? Does it raise the reader's expectations of specific imminent action? Now, for the math test, when evaluating the relevance of each scene in your story, ask yourself, if I cut it out, would anything that happens afterward change? To paraphrase the late Johnny Cochran, if the answer is no, it's got to go. Hey, I didn't say it was easy, but neither is pouring your heart and soul into a story only to have it waylaid by a couple of sweet-talking digressions. Why digressions are deadly. Think back to the last time you read a novel that had you hooked. Remember the sensation in your stomach as you turned page after page, anxious to find out what happened next, what happens next? That's the feeling of momentum, and it's visceral. It's your brain's way of keeping you hooked, the better to crib the info that might come in handy later. Okay, now imagine the story in a car, and it's zooming ahead at 60 miles an hour. You've completely surrendered to its momentum. You're one with the story. Then a real nice field of flowers off to the left catches the rider's eye. So he slams on the brakes, and you slam your head against the windshield as he hops out and frolics in the meadow. Just for a lovely lyrical second. Then he's ready to get back to the road. But will the story still be going 60? No, because he just brought it to a dead stop. Which means, provided he can coax you back into it, the story is now going to zero. There's a good chance it won't ever get back up to speed. Especially since you don't quite trust the writer anymore. He stopped the story once for no reason at all. Who's to say he won't do it again? Plus, since the digression broke the chain of cause and effect, you aren't exactly sure what's going on anymore. In fact, you're probably trying, still trying to figure out how frolicking in the meadow fits into the story, which of course it doesn't. This means you're now paying less attention to what's actually happening to the page, so you might miss the very thing that would otherwise get the story back on track. And that, my friend, is why, when it comes to digressions, heartless as it may seem you have to kill them, before they kill your story. I suspect this is what Mark Twain meant when he said, a successful book is not made out of what is in it, but what is left out. It pays to remain hypervigilant because digressions come in all shapes and sizes. They can be misplaced flashbacks, they can be subplots and have nothing to do with the story itself, and they can be itty bitty. A digression is any piece of information that we don't need and therefore don't know what to do with. Arm yourself with the knowledge that everything in the story must be there for story reason. It must be something that, given the cause and effect trajectory, trajectory, the reader needs to know at that moment. Thus, there is a question you must ruthlessly ask about every last scrap in your story, and so, because if you don't ask it, the reader will.